Uh, today we are continuing our series on the book of Proverbs. And uh, some of the stuff that we've seen over the last, I guess the last month and a half, we've seen that Proverbs are basically, they're short little sayings that give us direction, that, that give us wisdom for how to approach life. And King Solomon wrote most of the Proverbs, and the Proverbs that he wrote basically were directed towards his son. And he wanted to share wisdom to his son because he knew his son was eventually going to be taking over the throne, and he wanted him to live in such a way that he was going to honor God, that he would live in such a way where he would be prosperous. Now, uh, as a matter of fact, in Proverbs 3, 1 and 2, here's what he said about his son. He said, my son, do not forget my teaching, but keep my commands in your heart, for they will prolong your life many years and bring you prosperity. So he has a lot of stuff to say to his son. Uh, for those of you who are parents, I'm sure that you have your own little special proverbs, uh, little you know nuggets of wisdom that you like to pass on to your kids. Because you, you know from experience what it's like to live outside of, you know, whenever you live outside of wisdom. Many of you know what that's like. Well, that's Solomon. And what Solomon is teaching his son today is he's teaching his son just a basic life lesson that he knew would benefit him. And he said, son, I want to tell you about lust. And he said, and you need to be careful in dealing with it. He said, because it doesn't matter who you are, doesn't matter how strong you are, doesn't matter how disciplined you are, if lust enters into your life and it gains control, it is, it is something that can absolutely destroy you. Now, Solomon was a guy who was speaking with experience. If you know anything about Solomon, Solomon was a guy who had over 700 wives. What do y'all think about that? That's, like, that's impressive, isn't it? Or maybe not impressive. So he had 700 wives. On top of that, he had 300 concubines. So this is a guy who, when he's speaking about this subject, he's a guy that's speaking with some wisdom. And my guess is, is part of his teaching is, son, do not do what I have done. And so if you have your Bible, you can go ahead and look with me. We're going to look in Proverbs chapter 5. Uh, we're going to look in verse number 1 in just a few moments. But the idea here that, that Solomon is sharing with his son is like, son, I have some life lessons to teach you. And the life lesson that I want to share with you today is about lust. And if you're not careful, if you mess around in this area in your life, I want you to know that it can destroy you. It is something that is outside of God's design. It is outside the fence and the boundary that God has set up for us. And whenever we get outside of a fence or a boundary God set up for us, what can happen is destruction. And so he shares with us some warnings about lust. And this is something that I think is very relevant and very applicable for us today. So what does he have to share with us today? Well, the first warning he gives us about lust is this. He says, lust is something that lies to you. Lust is something that lies. And if you go to verse number one, he says, My son, pay attention to my wisdom. Listen closely to my understanding so that you may maintain discretion and your lips safeguard knowledge. Though the lips of the forbidden woman drip honey and her words are smoother than oil, in the end she's as bitter as wormwood and as sharp as a double-edged sword. Her feet go down to death and her steps head straight to Sheol. She doesn't consider the path of life 
she doesn't know that her ways are unstable. Now, he's referring to lust here. It's not a good picture. You know, it's, it's always interesting to me. Have you ever noticed this, that the food that tastes the best, the food that looks the best, is never the best for you? you know, have y'all noticed that? You know, if, if, uh, if Brussels sprouts tasted like chocolate, and you know, spinach was like cake, I mean, everybody in here would be a health nut. We'd be the only church. So, hey, what do y'all have? We're serving donuts, you know, that health food back there. I mean, man, we would, be, we would not have any trouble staying in shape and being healthy. But the fact of the matter is, is it's not good for you, and yet it's so tempting. Now, that's what, that's what sin is. Sin is something that is enticing. And the Bible doesn't, doesn't pull any punches about this. It's very honest. It lets us know that if you delve into sin, if you get involved with lust, it is something that will attract you. It is something that will get your attention. It is something that feels good. The Bible spoke of it concerning Moses. In Hebrews eleven twenty four and 25, it says, By faith, Moses, when he'd grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. And he chose to suffer with the people of God rather than to enjoy the short-lived pleasure of sin. The Bible's very clear. It lets us know sin is attractive. It lets us know sin can be fun. But what does it tell us there? It says, but it is short-lived. Solomon spoke of lust as a forbidden woman. So when she speaks to you, man, her lips drip with honey. Her words are smoother than oil. What does this mean? He's telling his son, man, she's going to look good, but watch out. She is looking to devour you like a praying mantis does to her mate. He said, stay away from it. But you know what? As much as we say this, it is something that is just absolutely devastating. Even thousands of years later, we still fall for the same tricks time and time again. Stats bear this out. One in eight searches online is for sexual content. One in eight. HR representatives say that 66% of the people that they are working with, that they have pornography on their computers. 51% of, of men say they saw pornography before the age of 13. 56% of divorces say that in the marriage relationship, before it ended, there was one spouse that was addicted or struggled with pornography. Now, I give you those stats just to let you know. Sin's attractive. It's something that so many of us go after, and yet... Solomon says, if you go after it, he says, let me tell you something, it is a liar. It will not satisfy. Matter of fact, he says, whenever you drink of it, he said, it is like you were taking in wormwood. Now, I've, I've heard that term my whole life, wormwood. Y'all know what wormwood is? Some of you might know what it is. I don't, I've heard of it, but I don't even know what it means. Well, wormwood is a, it's a, it's an herb. And it's a very, it is tremendously bitter. The Greek said that it was undrinkable. Whenever you ingested this herb, what it would do is it would cause you to have hallucinations. It would cause you to, to see things that weren't real, but it made it seem like they were real. And I thought, that's exactly what lust is. It, it makes things that, that aren't real seem like they are real. 
and they end up, when it, it gives a picture, it's going to give you freedom and joy, and it's going to be so much fun. You know what happens? It enslaves you, and it destroys you. That's what Solomon's telling his son. He said, don't mess around with that stuff. Be careful with what you look at. Now, it seems like Solomon's kind of a killjoy here, but what he's telling his son, he said, son, before you make a decision about something, before you decide you're going to follow after something, you need to look and see where that decision will take you. Now, this is for all of us. When you make a decision, look down the road. If I choose to do this, how's it going to play out for me on down the road? Now, Solomon says what, what lust does and what sin does, it doesn't care about your life. Proverbs 14, 12 through 14 says, There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way to death. When you choose to go after sin, where does it take you? The Bible says it's going to take you to death. You know, before you buy a ticket somewhere, what do you always do? We'll look and see where you're going to end up. You know, when you buy a ticket, you want to see where am I going to go. There's an old story about this lady named Florence Chadwick, uh, 1952. She wanted to be the first lady to swim from Catalina Island to California. It's a 26-mile swim, got in the water, had several boats following her. The job of the people in the boats were to look out for sharks. That would have eliminated me. And so she's just swimming along. After several hours of swimming, if you know much about California, you know there's like a big fog that oftentimes settles in. And this fog rolled in, settled in, and she's swimming. She can no longer see the coastline. She just keeps on swimming, and she's swimming. She gets worn out. She gets tired. She can't see where she's going anymore. She finally quits. She gets a boat up next to her and says, get me out of here. They get her out of the water. What she discovers is she was less than a mile away from reaching the California coast. Okay, now, so what happened? So what happened? So the fog came in. She got, I, I got lost. She said, the only thing I could focus on was the fog, and I couldn't even think about the shoreline anymore, and so she quit. Well, two months later, she did it again. The fog came in again, but she kept on swimming. She made it. So how'd you make it this time? She said, in my mind, I kept my focus on what the shoreline looked like, and I kept swimming till I got there. Now, guys, that's, that is lust. Lust is like a fog that can roll into your life, and it can take your eyes off of the coastline, off of the destination that God has in mind for your life, and it will cause you to get lost, and it will cause you to quit. So the first warning that we see here is that lust, it, lust is a liar. It doesn't tell the truth. But here's, here's another thing, that another warning Solomon gives that's so important for us to pay attention to. Lust carries with it a cost. Yeah, sin cost. There's always a price to pay. Verse number, verse number 7. So now, my sons, listen to me. Don't turn away from the words of my mouth. Keep your way far from her. Don't go near the door of her house. Otherwise, you will give up your vitality to others. Your years to someone cruel. Strangers will drain your resources. And your earnings will end up in a foreigner's house. At the end of your life, you will lament when your physical body's been consumed, and you will say, how I hated discipline, how my heart despised correction. I didn't obey my teachers or listen closely to my mentors. I was on the verge of complete ruin before the entire community. Now, the, the advice that he gives here is very clear when it comes to messing around with lust, when it comes to messing around with sin. He speaks, he humanizes lust as being, as being a woman. 
And in verse number 8, he says, don't even get near this woman. Don't even go into her neighborhood. That's right. Or you will scream. Now, why, why do you not want to go into, why do you want to not, why do you not want to go into her neighborhood? Because if you go into her neighborhood, you know what happens? You get tempted. You know, if, if you struggle with eating a lot of junk food, if you don't put the junk food in your pantry, you're going to have an easier time having victory over not eating it. Okay, Solomon's saying, don't even get near lust so that you won't have to worry about falling into it. Now, what, what he's talking about here, he's saying, listen, God has set up fences for your life. And so there's fences are boundaries. Don't cross the boundary. Stay within the boundary God has given to you. Now, for us, we find the fences that God sets up for us in, in Scripture. Now, now what, what, is, what does a fence do? Y'all get to participate. What is, what's, what's the good thing about a fence? It makes good neighbors. We know that. What else does it do? You got your hand up. What is it? Hey, good job. That's right. A fence will keep you from going to places you shouldn't be. It also keeps, you know, it keeps stuff out, and it keeps you from going to places you shouldn't go. There's good things about fences. Now, let me try to give you an example. A few years ago, I had our favorite dog that we had. It's a chocolate lab. His name was Count. Count was a great dog. He was dumb, but he was a great dog. And the great thing about him is, you know, I mean, he would, he would just lay down next to you, and that was it. I mean, that's my kind of dog. But we had a fenced-in yard when we first got him. Now, when we had that fenced-in yard, he irritated me when he was a puppy because what he would do is he had all this yard. We had a nice-sized yard, but he would always try to dig underneath the fence, and so he'd always dig holes, and we had the fence there for a reason, because we knew that for, we wanted him to have a place, a safe place to run, but on the other side of the fence, we knew if he got on the other side, because he's not real smart, we knew he'll get lost. He gets on the other side, there's a road there, he could get hit by a car. So we had the fence up to protect him. He had all that yard behind him. Guess where he hung out 99% of the time? At the fence line. Drove me crazy, because he he'd run back and forth. You know, digging that ditch right by your fence. He'd run there, and I'm sitting there the entire time going, he's got a whole yard behind. He never enjoyed the yard. He just sat there at the fence line. Now, guys, that's what a lot of us do when it con con uh, comes to God and what he's done for us. God has given us a yard in which to thrive and to enjoy life in, and yet we spend all of our time in the fence saying, I wish I was on the other side. And there's a reason why God's put up the fence. There's cars on the other side. We go, we go on the other side of the fence that what ends up happening is we can, we can end up getting lost. But God has given us everything we need within his protection. And that's why God has set up boundaries for us concerning lust. That's why he set up boundaries for us concerning sex. It's to take place only within marriage. But whenever we stray, guys, let me tell you something, there's a cost. Now what's the cost? So if you look in verses 9 through 14, it details the cost that we pay. Uh, it starts off by saying, he says, you're going to give your vitality to others. If you give unto lust, you give your vitality to others. That word vitality it means your honor. You give away your honor. Now, when you get married, you are signing a covenant with someone. And whenever you co uh, consummate the marriage, you are sealing that marriage. Now, whenever you go outside of your marriage, then what you're, you're breaking your word. You're breaking your honor. There's also a financial cost that comes with it. You know, typically what happens is whenever you step outside the boundaries of marriage, divorce oftentimes happens. 
And then when that happens, there's a financial strain. And many of you know about that. There's a financial strain that comes with that. There is a physical strain that comes with it. There's incredible feelings of guilt and despair. This is what Solomon was talking about when he said in verse number 11, he said, at the end of your life, you will lament when your physical body has been consumed. Lament, it means, it means to mourn. It means whenever you look back on your life and you see all the stuff that you've sacrificed for so that you could give yourself to lust, he says, you're going to realize I have just invested in things that had no dividends. I just invested in something where I lost my family, I lost respect, I lost my honor. And there's, there's nothing more depressing than when you invest in something and it's not worth anything. I enjoy looking up stories, and a lot of times about, about criminals who were not so smart. And I read one, and this is, y'all, this is a, sometimes, this, is a, this ain't just, you know, like preacher story. It's a real story. I found this on the news. A few weeks ago, there was a guy in Pittsburgh who decided, he was having money problems. And so he, he needed to get some cash. He didn't know what to do. So he came up with the, you have to give him credit for thinking big. He uh, decided he's going to make Counterf a, a counter some counterfeit money. Now here's where he's thinking big. He didn't make a $20 bill. Um, he didn't make, you know, like a $100 bill. He made a million dollar bill. And the way that he decided he was going to use it was that he's going to go to the grocery store, he was going to buy something, and he'd get change back. Okay, now there's some problems with this on a very basic level. One, we don't make a million dollar bill. Two, once you buy a gallon of milk, I bet you the grocery store doesn't have change. So the guy goes in with a million-dollar bill thinking this is going to solve all my problems. He hands the, the cashier a million-dollar bill, and the cashier calls the police. And guess what happens to the guy? He ends up in prison. Now, he thought he had some wealth, but boy, it wasn't real. And there was a cost that came for him even messing with it. It's lust. Lust is a liar. And it, and it exacts a heavy toll. You know, one preacher said that Satan always pays high wages, but he always uses counterfeit money. Okay, so if, there's, if lust is something that lies, if it's something that costs, then how can we prevent it? And, and Solomon shares some ways that we can prevent lust. And verse number 15, he just gives very practical advice here. He's obviously speaking to, to married couples at the beginning. He says, drink water from your own cistern, water flowing from your own well. Should your springs flow in the streets, streams of water in the public squares, they should be for you alone and not for you to share with strangers. Let your fountain be blessed and take pleasure in the wife of your youth. A loving doe, a graceful fawn, let her breast always satisfy you. Be lost in her love forever. Why, my son, would you be infatuated with a forbidden woman or embrace the breast of a stranger? For a man's ways are before the Lord's eyes, and he considers all, all his paths. And a wicked man's iniquities entrap him. He's entangled in the ropes of his own sin. He will die because there's no instruction and be lost because of his great stupidity. Solomon has some very practical advice here. He says, you want to... You want to prevent lust, you want to stay away from it. Then he says, drink water from your own cistern. 
Now, this was a great word picture for people living in the Middle East during this time. And even today, if you know much about the Middle East, it's an arid region. Water is a precious commodity there. And so if you had a well, you wanted to protect. It's your well. It's water. It's precious. Now, if somebody came and drank out of your well, then they're stealing from you. You don't want people to do it. You, you want to drink out of your, it's your well. Now, what's the great thing about drinking out of your own well? Okay, now, as a person who does not even like my wife drinking after me, let me share with you some great things about drinking out of your own well. It's not contaminated. You know, somebody else's germs aren't on it. Uh, you, you know, you know what, what's in that well. You know that it is something that is pure. It belongs to you. Something really good about drinking out of your own well. It belongs to you. But here's the other thing. The, the water that's in that well, it will satisfy your thirst. You know, there's a lot of different drinks out there. You have Coke, coffee, sweet tea, all those things, and they all taste good. But if you've been working in the yard, especially in this kind of weather, and you get really hot, how many of y'all have ever walked in and told your wife, hey, would you just put on a pot of coffee for me? I mean, you don't do that. Now, the, the other, you know, Coke and sweet tea tastes good. You put ice in it, it's cold. It doesn't, but it doesn't satisfy your thirst. It's interesting to me that it is water that is clear, no fancy coloring. Water that doesn't have any fancy taste. That is what you drink in order to satisfy your thirst. That's what Solomon's saying here. He says satisfaction will occur in your marriage relationship. The other stuff, it's attractive. It can be sweet tasting. But let me tell you something, it will leave you thirsty. There's also a spiritual component to preventing lust. In verse number 21, here it is. It says, for a man's ways are before the Lord's eyes, and he considers all his paths. What does that mean? Here's what it means. God is watching you. And whenever you begin to realize there is someone watching you, it will radically change your behavior. It should. I mean, it's proven over and over again. When, you know, have you all ever noticed that it is much easier when you're in school to cheat when the teacher leaves the room, right? When she's out of the room, when you don't think she's looking, start looking up her papers. I mean, I never did that. Other people do. I said, be sitting there looking. But when the teacher's in the room, that deters bad behavior. Okay, now that's Solomon is saying that whenever, whenever you know God is watching you, it causes you to be careful how you act. And if you love God and you want to honor him and you want to serve him, then you don't want to disappoint him. Okay, so practically, what does that mean for us? What can we do? You know, probably one of the biggest, even today, probably one of the fastest growing industries that peddles lust, peddles things that we shouldn't be watching, is media. I mean, it could be, I mean, we're talking television, movies, internet is huge because you feel like nobody's watching me, therefore I'm safe. God's watching you. So, so how can I prevent falling into this trap? You know, there, there are programs that you can get like Covenant Eyes on your computer that can block sites that you should not even be around. There's some preventative things that you can do. Uh, in, in social media, I cannot tell you how many people that I have talked to that have reconnected or connected with people via social media and it's destroyed their marriages. Crazy stuff. How can we prevent that from happening? You know, if you have some sort of social media account, allow, allow your spouse to have your password. 
Now, I'm not saying that it's going to be like the Gestapo, and they can check up on you all the time because they don't trust you, but it's, it's a way that you are saying, you know what, I am not doing anything that you would be ashamed of me doing, and I'm even willing to allow you to have access to, what, what, to that account. Now, there's some things that we can do preventatively. Now, Proverbs is a book of wisdom. And Solomon says, when it comes to lust, he says, you need to understand it is a liar. If you mess with it, it will cost you. But God has given us his word so that we can learn how to set up fences to protect our lives. Now, I think there's some of us, and, and more than likely, there, there's some of us who struggle in this area. What can you do? Here's the good news. Ask God for help. Ask God for forgiveness. 1 John 1, 9 says, If we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I like, understand, God can forgive. God can forgive you. Uh, others of you have some particular areas where you are struggling. And there's just simple, some simple fences that you need to begin to set up in your life. Some of those fences could be a regular time in prayer with the Lord, being a part of one of our V groups so that you can constantly put yourself under teaching and fellowship with other believers so that you can look into God's word and see how God desires for you to live. Another one is to, to be a part of a community, a part of a church family. On August 23rd, we're doing our Discovering Village Church class. There's a lot of fences that God has set up for you to, to actually to enjoy to protect your life. Now, Proverbs is a book of wisdom. And guys, we need the wisdom of God in our lives, especially when it comes to the area of sin and lust. And my prayer is that you and I will be faithful and we will honor God in the choices we make and what we look at and what we allow into our minds. Now lay me down, I 